Trek Companion. This is episode 307. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing the last two episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks third season, Trusted Sources and The Stars at Night. Trusted Sources, Season 3, Episode 9. Original release date, October 20th, 2022. Directed by Phil Mark Sagaroka. Written by Ben M. Waller. Guest cast include Carlos Alascuri as Les Buenamigo, Allison Becker as Victoria Nuse, Georgia King as Petra Aberdeen, Phil Lamar as Docking Bay Officer, Lauren Lapkus as Jennifer Schreyen, Jessica McKenna as Barnes, Carl Tart as Kayshawn, and Paul F. Tompkins as Miglimo. Captain Freeman's Planetary Revisitation Initiative, Project Swingby, is approved by Starfleet, and Admiral Buenomingo assigns her to visit Armanon, a planet whose population was forced to quit an addictive substance, Felicium, due to John Luke Picard's actions 17 years earlier. The crew is also ordered to be accompanied by a journalist, Victoria Nunez. Freeman, dismayed by this, cracks down on recreation and controls Nunez's access to the crew, hoping to project confidence. I know, I wasn't on the list, okay? But I had to tell her some stories, you know, about what it's really like to work here. So you went out of your way to make me look like a fool! I just told her the truth! You went too far this time, Mariner. You told her all sorts of terrible, out of context! I have context! When are you gonna grow up, Beckett? You have absolutely no concept of when to show Shut your mouth! Don't talk to me like I'm 15. I'm a Starfleet officer and an essential part of your crew. Not anymore. What is what is that supposed to mean? Uh, Captain, what are you doing? Oh, you want to backstab, complain, and be hard to work with? Well, there's a place for people like that. It's called Starbase 80. Starbase 80? What about it? I've already put through the transfer. Shuttle's on the way. Mom, is, is this a joke? Where's the hover cam? Doesn't look like I'm joking. I want you off of my ship before we get to Brekka so you don't cause any more damage. Oh my god, you're not kidding, Mom. Please. You are no longer my ensign or my problem. I don't even know if I can call you my daughter anymore. Dismissed. I love the joke. There's one joke, visual gag in here that I love when they go and check on the pies and the guy's destroying the pies or whatever. They're like, no, give us those. And then the shot, it's like in the bottom right hand corner, you can kind of just see the pie guy has his hand on his phaser like he could draw it if he had to. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I remember I was reminded of the, yeah, it's November now. We're almost sort of been entering the holiday season i always reference that 12 klingon days of christmas book whatever it was called and the best joke in there was today is a good day for pie <laughs> so <laughs> i like a good pie joke i guess is what i'm saying gentlemen adam kick us off on trusted sources um yeah i agree with you the the well yeah the pie scene's really funny and that's what this show does really good it's it brings nuanced things that that you can kind of understand better coming from this a pie eating contest. Who doesn't understand a pie eating contest? And why wouldn't a pie eating contest continue on in you know three four hundred years in the future? So it's a the show's really good about bringing um, everyday life that that we in this time period can recognize there, and I think they do a really good job at it. And it's and it's nuanced, and it's not it's just a little part of the show, but yeah, it's just fun. And I, I love that the show is able to do this do that kind of stuff over and over. And it's kind of the same with the reporter, you know, the reporter coming to do a big expose. We haven't really had we've gotten little bits and pieces of media in Star Trek throughout the years, but it's just kind of been more in the background. The biggest I can remember is um, 
um, generations. They had all that that press up there when Kirk was, was on the, the bridge of the new Enterprise. Um, but other than that, you don't see often see media um, used in in Star Trek ever. And so I kind of felt like this is kind of the first time in a, an expo expose type deal. So um, it's 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 a good episode. It obviously takes. I mean, this is kind of almost feels like a two parter. It brings us into the next episode and kind of brings us into the end of the season. Um, we get some revelations that get you know fully. Um, played out in the next episode so i i mean as usual it's there's a, a a lot in this episode it's a good pace there's a lot of fun to be had so that was my first takes steve yeah so i i agree that it's um it, it's almost like a two-parter although it has its own standalone element elements as well and it you know it it packs a lot in like it always does it has a lot of comedy it keeps it light and has a lot of references for the Trek fans, um, and, and, and just general elements that feel like they're kind of combining. I mean, that would be a lot of times we, uh, in other Trek series, we kind of balked at episodes that felt like they're just taking bits out of other episodes and just compiling them together into some new episode, you know, but I think since it's a setup for some, some revelations about some of the characters and some of what they've been setting up this whole season. I think it was, uh, you know, again, it's the, this, the spinning the plates in the air and keeping everything going is what's so impressive because they had to set things up for the next episode, have a, have a plot that's still, you know, just, just for this episode as well. That's only that part of this, but you know, tying it all together. I think it's just, it's so tricky and then it goes 90 miles an hour too. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was fun. And, uh, entertaining and of course the exaggerations are what's so funny you know we all remember i think if you're a trek fan that first season next gen episode this is referencing and uh the drug addiction and of course it's just redonkulous how they handle it it's like oh you know they they left (laughs) and then we had this awful experience for 10 to 14 years and then we figured it out now we run marathons and stuff you know it's silly so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's fun i enjoyed it they finally paid off all the starbase 80 jokes a little yep, bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gives her the uniform and her sandwich falls out and we get uh now i don't remember the character the archaeologist call back to that so she's joined there by the end of this episode yeah it's um it does it is funny that they they don't they haven't done anything that said part one and part two before have they have they i don't think so did they have that one that was like a part two but it was way later or am i no nah, i don't know i'm maybe mixing it up with something else um, but yeah no it's it's uh it's good it, there's a little bit more action in in both of these episodes maybe a few less jokes but you know it's still fun the pacing is still great the characters are all wonderful and when they do make jokes they're pretty funny the meemaw stuff kind of made me laugh out loud <laughs> she leaves him dr birdman in charge yep yep <laughs> What are your orders? <laughs> Initiate a subspace communication to my Mima. <laughs> Mom, I told you never to call here. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I mean, and what this sh- this show also does—they kind of their sleight of hand. They they it's you know this isn't new for the show, but I mean you know, they've said this is obviously a Mariner episode that gets you know played out fully in the next episode. But I mean characteristically you know we can all believe that mariner would go in there and just dish all the all the you know gossip about the ship but you know they play it the other way that we'll get into the into the next episode um but i mean mariners i mean you know i was thinking about it and we'll talk more about it in the next episode i keep saying that but she's kind of come kind of i feel like her character is has moved quite a bit in this in this series or last um season and a half you know um 
where she wasn't the one that went in there and did this and it's and that was i thought it was a really good episode for her where you expect you're not surprised that she you wouldn't be surprised that she did this but she didn't do it so the choices that they made there with that were good yeah overall this whole season has felt if there was one character you had to pick it would it felt a little bit more like it was focused a smidge on mariner there were a couple of times we had we had that recent episode, I think last time with Boimler and finding out his double had died. And there was a little bit of movement there. But for the most part, it feels like a Mariner heavy season. And maybe that's just kind of like I put it this way. Boimler felt equal to Tendy and Rutherford in this season to me. I agree. And like the first couple seasons, I didn't think that if it was Mariner and Boimler were the stars of the show. Yeah, I kind of felt like the, the last episode that we talked about was Boimler's first episode that I could remember in a long time. So I don't know if that's the start of a you know, trend that just how it's going to be going forward. Or maybe maybe they'd always, always planned to bring Rutherford and Tendi up there. But, I mean, hey, there's only two of these people that are going to be on Strange New Worlds next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they, they have it in their mind as that, too, so... Also, like what this uh, series consistently does, at least it brings up now and again, is kind of the the politics of the office. Kind of, it, it, that's the one thing it also makes it feel kind of brings it home is things like projects swing by these things like a, a silly idea where where someone's someone's pet project politically gets put into place, and then you have other an admiral who's you know has an agenda against it, and different ones, which is which is kind of an accurate assessment of a lot of. Uh, of workplaces, you know, and I think because of the whole notion, it's lower decks, it's the, it's a strata thing, you know, upper, lower class, this kind of notion. I think that they, they bring that back and bring it in the forefront periodically, you know, to remind us that's kind of the general commentary of this series. What is this episode about? Arizona is very near California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Then we bring in Texas. It's all the, the Southwest. I had a hard, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to put together exactly what they're trying to say in this episode or what it's about, because to me, it's kind of closely connected to the next episode. Um, you know, we don't get the reveals until the next episode to kind of, so I had a hard time like separating this episode from the next one, but because I feel like this one is just, just kind of a full setup for the next episode. So kind of, if, if you were going to look at it, just this episode, it's, growth of mariner you know where she you know where she would have been the one when i was saying earlier she would have been the one dishing all the gossip and messing things up she's the one that's actually grown you can kind of see so it's the growth and trust and kind of accepting where you are and you want to be there it's kind of what i kind of took from it i agree i agree that it's hard to distinguish them a little bit because of it being a setup for the next one as well i think kind of what i was alluding to toward the end with the notion of the um office politics, you know, is kind of at play here, you know, you, you, even though they don't, it doesn't come to a head in this episode, they, uh, they are bringing it up that, okay, well, right now we're, now we're on the upswing. The captain's happy. Her ship has a purpose, but it's, is anything really changed? And you still have everyone talking behind each other's back and who's saying what for this reporter and all this kind of stuff. So it, I think that that's kind of the undercurrent here, but a lot of it is just a setup for what is what's coming in the next episode i like that that joke uh when she's saying you know how can we be of assistance because no no we're good and she's trying to give him reasons that that they should help and she one thing she says is we have unlimited snacks (laughs) 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 that you know if i if i had a replicator 
Yeah. I'd have those little pretzel peanut butter bite thingies from Trader Joe's and a <laughs> Diet Pepsi at the ready. All, the time. <laughs> All right. Let's do six degrees for trusted sources. Adam, Carlos Alazraki, Alazraki provides the voice of Admiral Buenamigo and the Alito computer. Carlos's daughter in real life, yes, Riley Alazraki, provides a voice on what recent Star Trek show? Um, Strange New Worlds? Nope. That's, I don't know. I'll give it to Steve. Prodigy? Yeah, Prodigy. Do you know what character she plays? I can't even think of a name of the character on that show. Well, her character is like the only one I could name. Rock Talk, because she looks like a rock. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. yes. All right. So I guess Steve has half a point. We'll do half a point, because there weren't I only know. like two choices left. <laughs> <laughs> the Stars at Night, Season 3, Episode 10, original release date, October 27th, 2022. Directed by Jason Zurich, written by Mike McMahon. Guest casts include Carlos Alazraki as Les Buenomigo, Georgia King as Petra Aberdeen, Jessica McKenna as Barnes, Tak Alogundoye as Amina Ramsey, Sam Richardson as Bendome, Al Rodrigo as Durango, Gabriel Ruiz as Talin, Paul Shear as Andy Billups, Carl Tart as Kayshawn, Paul F. Tompkins as Miglimo, Marin Vaughn as Meyer, and Michelle Wong as Starfleet Admiral. In the wake of Veronica Nuyez's embarrassing expose, Starfleet opts to follow Admiral. Bueno Amigo's proposal to decommission all California-class ships and replace second contact duties with his automated Texas-class ships. Captain Freeman challenges Bueno Amigo's ships to a race to run their duties. Meanwhile, Mariner becomes suspicious of, of her and Petra's mysterious benefactor, but learns it's funded by Jean-Luc Picard. She confesses to Petra that she may be having had been searching for a reason to return to Starfleet. We would have won if I hadn't defended the life of some inert dust. <sighs> when secondary scans find life, you have to drop everything. That's like the entire point of the Prime Directive. Right, Rutherford? Back me up here. Yeah, yeah, sure. You did the right thing. Thanks, but if it was the right thing, why didn't the Alito slow down too? Huh? <laughs> You're right! That was weird, but I'll take it! Steve, kick us off on The Stars at Night, and you have to sing it like the song. <laughs> hmm. So, um, so again, we kind of have a lot of elements that we've seen in previous episodes and series kind of coming together, but uh, this series does that a lot where it kind of gives something back to the fans for those paying attention and you get these references and things that are, it's fun to, to see again. In this case, we, the episode, it's, it's picking up where the left, last one left off, even though it's its own, own story. Uh, but we have this whole kind of, uh, you know, big event. There's a threat and it all comes down to a game that they play, essentially, this kind of thing where it's a race. And, you know, and ultimately, as often happens, in these kind of episodes, it's not as clear cut as the a winner and a loser. And there's some other issues going on. And we get some revelations, of course, about uh, uh, Rutherford's Rutherford and his history and um wrapping up the situation with Mariner from the last one, you know, so it's, I think it's a good, it's a good season finale. And it's also notable that it, they don't have any, you know, cameos or stunt casting. I think they've, they've 
their confidence levels up where they can carry this without feeling they need to bring in Jonathan Frakes or, you know, fill in the blank from whatever else or a ship coming in or anything like that. You know, they can just, uh, you know, wrap up their season and, and, uh, and we still obviously have some, some threads that they continue uh, going forward. You know, we have the Boimler double from the, last time we talked and then uh the whole badgy thing again you know yeah. i love badgy um and then this fun california versus texas bit you know that they're doing and the crazy names and i don't know why it's so funny hearing when they just go off the rails with all these different cities and name at some point it just becomes laughable so yeah i thought it was fun and i thought it was a good uh, season finale i love that they not just that they wrap up so many storylines like the rutherford thing for example but i love that the whole it just feels like an ending and we don't have to end on a massive massive cliffhanger yeah there was a little bitty post credits thing but you know there was there was nothing i mean just this you know it didn't end with um the cerritos getting destroyed and freeman going to prison and right, right. boimler getting transferred and mariner going to, i mean i i love that it's an end that's an, a nice clean ending for once it's, it's, that was really great even all, even the little i was afraid that whole storyline with um the Texas class ships and stuff would be no, it's just all done, and that's great. I really, really enjoyed that. Adam, your first thoughts? Fairly much in agreement with both of you guys. I have a question: Would we consider that an Indiana Jones reference in the beginning? I mean, the Klingon idol, or was it too 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 loose? I mean, the idol certainly looked like the Havitos uh, idol, but yeah. So that would be yeah, that's interesting. So that'd be two different movie references that they've had in the show that I've seen so far. That'd be interesting to see if they keep doing that going forward yeah i agree with you brian it's a it's almost a nice neat ending and it's i think it's kind of cool to have that you don't have to have a cliffhanger every single season that ends so i thought it was kind of nice you know we got obviously we're going to have some introduced new characters that we're going to have um going into the next season um what is the vulcan girl's name steve the new character uh, I don't recall, but I know what you're talking about. Yes, that's yeah, another so, thread I mean, they could pick up on. Yeah, but that, that's something nice. That's obviously a little setup for next year, mm-hmm. but it isn't yeah. the, it isn't the yeah. cliffhanger ending kind of thing. Yeah. No, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, they yeah. just did yeah. a lot of nice, um, you know, it's a nice clean ending, and then they kind of setting you up for next season. So it's nice to have that, not the cliffhanger every year, and then you got to be like, well, we don't have to wait as long with this show. They seem to be pumping out, pumping them out pretty quickly. But <laughs> I remember Sopranos was the worst. It'd go like two years after a cliffhanger so it's kind of nice well i think it's interesting in terms of the whole cliffhanger or not cliffhanger and these kind of choices is because they you know it's, it's a different story than it was back in the 80s and 90s and whatnot where you'd wait four months at most to see the see what where where it ends up and now it's nearly a year you know uh, you know that's the pattern we're seeing even this show which has been more regular yeah. than any of the others and it is very consistent Mm-hmm. Once a year, because there's only ten episodes in a season, and they air them once each week for ten weeks. Yeah, you're waiting ten months. Right. I mean, yeah. Period. From the end of one to the beginning of the next, the fastest you can hope for is ten months. Right. And then in a series like this, where it's a, it's it's just lighter by nature a bit, it would it almost seem disingenuous, right? If you had some kind of crazy thing and all, and then let's see what happens in ten months. Well, odds are in ten months they'd pick it up and be and resolve it in five minutes, and so. Yeah what are you going to do? You know? So I, I like this. I, I prefer this for this, this series, at least. We've got the uh, tried and true adversary of the evil Admiral. Although even that is very quickly wrapped up in this episode. Well, that was a little different than usual. I remember that was a frequent 
topic that you enjoyed discussing, Steve, uh, especially during the next gen days of our podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a trope that they uh, fed off of here for this for this guy. They literally commented on it here. I, mm -hmm. I wrote down a note, tried and true, evil admiral, and then after I wrote that, then they they, they hung a lamp on it. What did they? I don't remember. Somebody somebody said, "You're not going to be one of those." You're you're better than that. Yeah, Freeman says, like, you're better than that. You're not one of those shadowy bad admiral dudes. It's, oh yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Joke about the Riker maneuver. That was pretty sweet. It was it was funny only because it was in the context of showing everybody else in all the other departments doing you know like billups or whatever in the engineering, it's like doing real concrete <laughs> things. Let's get to get it together and be the best ship we can. And everybody's you know teaching everybody you know pumping them up, and then we see. The Riker maneuver, that's his form of slam your leg down over the chair. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one space dock, right? Every time we see it, it's like the Star Trek Three space dock. That's right? all they show, yeah. Unless they're just exact copies of each other. You've never seen anything else. Yeah, okay. I've never seen like a new version. Yeah, but they've never implied they've made more than one or something. They never called one of them space dock two or something like that. Not that I recall. Yeah, all right, all right. It is a design that holds up, right? I love it. Yeah. I love it. I get excited every time I see it. Not just because I'm a Star Trek 3 nut. It's a classic. I've seen people complain that it's that it's absurd, that it, it would have to be so large to, to be, you know, that nobody, humans are never going to build anything that large. Like, well, in space. Well, okay, fine. But I don't think so. I think it's awesome. But we've never seen it um, attacked in this way. We've certainly never seen it with all that damage and stuff. That was fun. Interesting. Oh, I laughed out loud with the whole Shax uh, when he gets to eject the warp core. Yeah. It's the shots of him going down there, like walking through the crew and they're clapping for him. and everything. <laughs> <laughs> That little side story with Boimler was fun. I mean, you know, just the tears, you know, is that what I sound like? Little tears coming down his face. All those, Cali I didn't count them, but there were a lot of California class ships. That's a lot of um, second contacting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many of those towns have you lived in? I mean, there's California and Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and they were so close by. Is Alito the name of a city in Texas that I'm not familiar with? Texas has every every name. I'd have to look it up. The other two, they were, I, don't, I don't remember what it was. I think Dallas and something. But the other two were actual Texas cities. But I don't know the name Alito. Yeah, okay. Somebody that lives in Alito is listening to our podcast and thinking, God, these guys are jerks. Yeah, I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> yep, I'm done with you. No more. <laughs> yeah, I really want to see. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with that Vulcan. Do you think they'll make her like a full on, like, will she be equal to our four main characters? Maybe they could. I don't know. Might, maybe. I think that would be cool. Hmm. Think she'll get a prime episode early? That episode she was in, that was the end of the second season, right? I think. Yeah. They went out of their way to, she wasn't just, it wasn't just a joke about, you know, saying something without emotion. You know, there was real depth and layers there and that they could, they could explore. And I think it'd be fun. Oh yeah, for sure. They're good at, um, you know, obviously they're, we've talked about this in depth, how, how great the writing is in this show, but to, to kind of add to that, it's like, they also seems like they plan ahead, you know? I mean, like you said, this was at the end of, season two when this character was introduced and here we are at the end of season three so i mean there doesn't seem like they just kind of throw these things in it seems like they have like a whole thing they have something planned out well in advance so it's a credit to them as well they still show they're still showing that they can do action scenes very well the action scenes were 
very exciting. All those, I mean, it's a little throwaway thing, but you know, like the interior shots of the Alito as it's being destroyed and it was, it was great. The sound, this is the first time I've been kind of conscious of some of the sound mixing on this show. This, the last episode in this one, I think it sounds really good. You know, it's just, you know, we're finishing up season three here and it's still shocking to me that this is, this is one of two of the new Star Trek shows that I really like that I think is really good. And, uh, that just really, really surprises me. The other one, Strange New Worlds, doesn't surprise me. I expected that to be good, but not Lower Decks, not like this. And I don't know why every time I have to feel like I have to caveat it, <laughs> but that it, I think it's it's even better than Strange New Worlds. I don't know why. Why is that? Why do I feel like I have to put so many? Just because it's animation? That's stupid. That's not fair. And it's comedy, and it's light, and it's yeah. short. And I mean, I think, yeah, you know, it's unexpected. Well, yeah, it is. And as we pointed out, they do such a good job of packing so much in. It's like, so when I, before these podcasts on episodes, I'll read a synopsis. I'll go out and find the most detailed synopsis just to refresh me if I have time. And it takes me nearly as long to read the synopsis of these episodes <laughs> as it is to watch it. You know, that's how much they pack in, but it doesn't feel rushed. Yeah. What is this episode about? Well, Mariner comes to her fulfillment in this episode. You know, she comes to a realization, obviously, early on in this episode that she wants to go back to Starfleet. And, um, you know, the fact that um, she finds out that her, her mother and crew are in, are in danger just motivates her even more to get back to that point. Um, and what I was saying in the previous um, episode is how far Mariners come. She's, you know, she was this, obviously she's always going to be rebellious. That's part of her character. I don't think they should ever, you know, eliminate that fully. But I mean, you know, she was almost like um, early on in the series, she's almost kind of like a, a teenager in a way. Um, that kind of rebellious, you know, rebelling against your mom and re- rebelling against authority, anything that she could kind of rebel with. And she had her own little gang around her to help her. And, um, and I think in a lot in this season that we've seen that gang, them all kind of grow up a lot more, um, especially her. So it's about growth, finding yourself, um, knowing where you want to be. Um, and I think that's what we get from her in this episode. And I think that's kind of the point that they're the main point that they're trying to drive with this episode. Other things going on in here, you know, it's um trust among, uh, you know, um, your fellow comrades, you know, you had all the California class ships coming together, even though we've seen them be at odds throughout this whole series, these different captains, they all kind of come together and, um, you know, for their own. So that's what I took from it. Yeah, and I think they're also consistent, like we alluded to in the last episode, they're consistent with the notion of, of the underdogs or the lower strata or whatever uniting to, to be relevant and, and, and do something big because not only is this show called lower decks and it's these, the goings on of, of the, of the ensigns and whatnot. It's also a California class ship, which we've, they've established as being a, you know, the second second contact and all this stuff, you know, flybys and, you know, the, the, the dirty work and the not so interesting, glamorous stuff you know and so you see all of those ships coming together to save the day so i think it's consistent with that message that they've carried throughout the series too all right let's do six degrees for the stars at night steve one of the california class ships that arrives to save the day is named after the city where we shot your music video which ship was that sherman oaks yes sir the <laughs> sherman oaks <laughs> Yeah. I feel like we kind of already covered up more of a season three wrap up, but I am curious if you guys, how you guys would compare to this to the other two seasons. I'm not sure that 
I mean, they're all consistently pretty high to me. So I'm not sure that it stands out above or below the others for me, but. That's what's incredible about the series. There's such a consistency throughout it. I mean, you know, what, you know, the previous podcast, we were, we all liked that episode, you know, the bird planet with the, the crazy, you know, robot. And, but that was probably the weakest episode of the whole season. And yet it was still a good episode. It was still well written, well written and put together. So I, I think each season's gotten better. Um, in my opinion, but I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a head over heels. Any season is head over heels better than any other season. There's, there's just a really good consistency with this show. They keep it at, and it's a high level of consistency. And that's, what's been nice about it. Even that bird planet episode. I wonder if it was just more unsatisfying than anything else, just because we liked our character main characters so much and they weren't as much of a part of it. Yeah, I agree that it's steady and consistent. And I think it's, it's quality. It's not like, I mean, it's a different world now, right? Where you have like 10 to 13 episodes on a series ver- on a season versus, you know, 26 or something. And, and, you know, even on the, in the nineties Trek or whatever, you'd have a really good season. You might have, a third to a half of the episodes be something particularly notable, you know, even if the others others aren't awful, they're just average or something. But that's that is what's what's remarkable about this show is that it is there's you know we just go episode to episode and it's just this is good. I was entertaining. It had something to say, you know, even if it wasn't outrageously the best thing we've ever seen ever from Trek or something, it's, it is very good over and over and over again. Very good. And I think I, I would say if anything, it has increasingly got a little better. I, I do remember season one definitely would rank the lowest of the seasons in my mind. And then after that, I feel they like got their groove and then just, just kept it going from there. Two and three. I did do think, uh, technically they've improved a little bit. They were great from the outset, but yeah. we've seen more complex visuals and we've definitely seen, them step up the game uh when it comes to like action sequences and things like that but yeah and then for me to say this is the first time i was really noticing the sound mix for example yeah well no it also seems like they've put more money into the budgets in season one so i mean you see a lot more cool you know cooler effects that sort of thing by the time we watch season four presumably we will have seen mariner and boimler in live action mm-hmm. oh wow that'll be weird Will we ever see them the same again? Have they shot that yet, or is it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, they they wrapped season two a while back. They had shot it before they announced it, months before they announced it. They kept it a secret. When's that premiere? Uh, they haven't said, but we're assuming it's going to be. We're we're we know we know Picard season two premieres February sixteenth, I believe. It's mid February. Okay. Uh, and we are assuming based on production schedules that Strange New Worlds would follow. Picard and then Discovery season five, right? Would follow Strange New World season two. So we may have a hole between Prodigy and Picard a little bit in terms of new material. Not much, though. No. Prodigy will finish up in the middle of January, I think. Okay, a couple maybe. three weeks, maybe. Yeah, at most, yeah, at most we'll have a month. But I don't even think it's that much. Have you done the math? When are we going to run out of new new material? <laughs> I haven't <laughs> done that, but I have done the math. That uh, thanks for reminding me. We have now caught up on Lower Decks. So when we come back in two weeks, we're going to start Picard Season 1. And the plan is to go through all three seasons of Picard. But it does mean, because they're starting to air Picard Season 3, I might have said Season 2 a minute ago, but I meant Picard Season 3, the final season of Picard, starts to air in in mid-February 2023. 
because because of when they're going to start it, which is a little bit earlier than I'd anticipated, we're probably going to be talking about season two while season three is airing. I know it's going to be a little bit confusing to me. We even discussed if we should change our plans, but Adam and Steve said they are professionals and they can they can do it. And I think it just based on the trailer, you know, it certainly seems like if nothing else with the time hopping of season two, that season three hopefully will be so different that it won't be so weird for us to, because I'm not going to wait to watch season three until we get there on our podcast. I'm just not. Adam, that might, that's, you might do that, Adam. Maybe. And I assume Steve, you're not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not. Depends on how backlogged I am on shows at the time. Mm -hmm. For my birthday last year, my buddy got me the, Picard prequel novel to season one. So I think it's Una McCormick. I'm going to read that this weekend in preparation before we uh, kick off season one. Looking forward to that. Ooh, maybe I'll even get really crazy and watch the, uh, the short treks little prequel thing with the Peter Gabriel song. <laughs> oh yeah. Good idea. Yeah. All right. So lower decks, awesome show. Still loving it. And we're going to be back in two weeks to kick off. Picard season one. Until then, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending half an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.